it is about time that Jim Pop is gone as head coach of the Montreal Alouettes. I mean, look at this. What a mess. 22 wins in 58 freaking games, okay? That's a 38% win percentage. Anybody else and you would have been gone years ago. All right, from the posh residence of Chez Estates here in downtown Vancouver, Yale Town, welcome to the latest edition of The Waggle. My name is James Sabalski. You can find me on Twitter, at James Sabalski, alongside three-time Grey Cup champion, four-time CFL All-Star, man who's not afraid of a microphone, but he is afraid of... Snakes. Snakes. Dogs. You don't like dogs? I'm a, you have a dog. You know what? I, but I, I got bit when I was little, mm. and so I always have a little phobia. You know, I try to make it all nicey with the dog when I see it, but yeah. really deep down, it's all a big front. I'm scared. Yeah. So the dog essentially reads your fear and basically yes. knows that I am, I am this guy's master essentially. Yes. All right. He is the one, the only Davis Sanchez, uh, the owner of Chez Estates here. As we sit outside, we we figured we'd uh, we'd kind of hit the hit the patio for this one because. Quite frankly, uh, it's starting to cool down a little bit here in Van City, and we might as well try to enjoy some of these outdoor days while we still can, right? I mean, although we don't necessarily have to worry about it, we can kind of be fair weather out here because, we, you know, the team that is closest to us in proximity does play in a dome stadium. So we do have that luxury, Davis. Judge. Judge. Okay, uh, lots to get into. Uh, the Week 14 matchups uh, coming up shortly, and... You know, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders ah, coming off a win, people. But I do wonder about the longevity and the future of Darian Durant. Uh, we'll get into that coming up in just a few moments, Riders fans, because uh, it's, it's an interesting time. It's been a tumultuous year, and I do wonder what the end game is going forward. But first things first, the big story of the week. First and foremost, Jim Pop. Uh, it's been talked about and discussed, especially on this show, for weeks and weeks and weeks. At what point does something have to give? Something finally did give. And on Monday, Jim Pop stepped down as head coach of the Montreal Alouettes. In comes Jacques Chapdelaine as interim coach. Uh, maybe a bit of a surprise Shocker. that they didn't name Cavis Reed or N Noel Thorpe as head coach. Uh, maybe it was a language situation in Montreal. Uh, always a theme with the Montreal Canadiens for so many years, uh, playing that political game, having somebody who can, you know, um, address the, the language area with with the Montreal media and the French sure, media. Sure. Uh, it hasn't necessarily been as much of an issue with the Alouettes, but nevertheless, Jacques Chapdelaine is the interim head coach at least till the end of the season. Look, Davis, uh, why don't we start with you here? Uh, you, you know, I think Montreal, when, when you look at the course of your career, 13 seasons of pro football, I think you always kind of, as a pro football player, Montreal was kind of home for you. Um, let me get your reaction, first things first. Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, this this was a surprise. We all, we all kind of thought that they were going to go internally with uh, with Cavis or or Noel Thorpe as those were the two without or Anthony Thorpe. Calvillo people exactly because like you say or you know Jacques wasn't the coordinator Jacques was uh, you know receivers coach and and working with Anthony and assistant to Anthony but you know this it makes sense it does in in the sense of you know he he is he is bilingual he can you know work with the French media he's also he also doesn't have the stresses of 
of running the everyday offense. If you if, if they gave it to Anthony, he's still Anthony's still trying to master, you know, putting together his offensive system, oh, which, yeah. which we all know, you know, hasn't it hasn't been a success as of yet. So, do you want to put more on his plate by giving him the head coaching duties, which? You know, to be honest, a lot of times comes down to, you know, media stuff, scheduling stuff, BS that, you know, a coordinator just doesn't have time to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think in, in that sense, I think I, I like this move. I, I would like to see uh, Northrop get his, get his opportunity because he's been a great a great coordinator for a long time, and, and, uh, and I think he'll be a good head coach. I'd like to see him get his opportunity. Cavis has had his opportunity before. Uh, but, uh, you know, in that, in that sense, I do understand why they went in the direction of Jacques Chaplin. Yeah, I mean, Noel, and, and who knows, maybe Noel was even considered for that, that position and just said, you know what, I don't want this to be my first job as a, or the title as a head coach to go through this mess right now because Montreal is an incredibly dysfunctional organization from, from the top to the bottom. Look, I'll say this about Jim Pop stepping down as coach. He is a Hall of Fame general manager with what he has done over the past quarter century as a general manager and as a manager in the Canadian Football League when you look when it's all said and done with you're talking about one of the all-time great general managers in I mean for the longevity what he has done turned it around in the province of Quebec 100% 100% and Jim Pop is one of the big we should not forget that no I mean he's been Jim Pop has been excellent for this league for the city of Montreal I mean obviously I'm biased because I won a lot of games under Jim Pop yep and I'll be the first one to say him as a head coach it hasn't worked it's 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 a it's a wins and losses business. That's it. He, I'm not, you know you can't sit here and say Jim, you know, uh, make excuses for him or whatever it may be. If you don't put up W's, you're gone, and that it is what it is. Your record is what it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm the first. I'll agree that you, they had to make a change. It was no longer Jim's time. But I also will say that Jim is an amazing general manager. He's been great for a long time, and and like we said, he he turned that that whole city around in the, in the province of Quebec in football. Yep, and and, and let me address let me address this from this side. Not of just him, from but no, him no, from, you, the, you, from the general manager no, and from getting players' point of view. There's been a lot of people around Montreal who have, who have done a great job, but he's been a big part of it from a personnel standpoint. Absolutely, and and building and, and putting the foundation of football and, and even from a grassroots level in, in the province of Quebec. I mean, look at some of the most successful university programs now, oh. all in Quebec. I mean, look what's happening at the University of Laval. How about the Montreal Carabines now too? I mean, look across the board. I mean, there's a lot of success. Quebec has become a football factory, and Jim Pop deserves a lot of credit. Having said that, it is about time that Jim Pop is gone as head coach of the Montreal Alouettes. I mean, look at this. What a mess. 18 and 30 since Anthony Calvillo has retired. He was coached four times in Montreal. Let me give you this record all time as a head coach in Montreal. Okay, 22 wins. 36 losses that's 22 wins in 58 freaking games okay that's a 38 percent win percentage anybody else and you would have been gone years ago uh i do take issue with the fact that he didn't even show up for the announcement uh i think that's a problem you're the gm you're the gm of the franchise and i understand he might be going through a tough situation with a family right now there are some rumblings which is why he was given the game ball on friday night in that loss against the hamilton tie cats um and you know what maybe he is going through some tough uh, tough personal times and and in fairness like you know there's a lot of things that people go through that we don't know about so you know i want to do i want to be respectful of that but at the same time you know what how do you not hold yourself accountable as captain of the ship? And like it or not, you are the face of the franchise from a sideline and a management capacity. So 
I, I take a lot of issue with how this has gone down and how the, uh, it happens during a bye week where you can just kind of make the announcement, oh, I'm still staying on as GM. This is, look, the offense has become a huge issue. Fewest yards per game, 320.8 uh, per game. And you know what? The second fewest points in the game this season, less than 21 per game. You know, you had Cato, who was named the starter two weeks ago. He's blown up in practices and back-to-back weeks since becoming a starter. He had to be escorted from practice. This is your starting quarterback that you pulled Kevin Glenn and shipped him out for, for Rakeem Cato. It's been way too much, way too soon for Anthony Calvillo. And I love Anthony Calvillo as a person and as a player, but too much too soon. He needs to marinate. He needs to develop. It's not fair whether he wants to be in this position or not. Look, Pinball Clemens jumped in and had some success, I think, as head coach of the Toronto Argonauts about 12 years ago, winning a Grey Cup where he kind of stepped into the fire. But I think the difference was that Pinball was much more of a motivational speaker and a motivator as the head coach for that team and let his coordinators kind of do the coordinating and let them do the business of the grinding and, and delegate that sort of responsibility. Pinball was a perfect face for the franchise to be the spokesman because he thrived in that element. And on a game day, I, if you, I mean, remember some of those video clips they would show, you know, the camera into the room and some of those speeches. Yeah, I mean, I mean, talk, as a as a fan talk. or just as, even as a media guy, it's like, oh, I'm ready to go up the elevator and run through these doors right now. Go, but he also had a veteran-laden team that, yes. that then he had, he had very Dave, much Damon veteran and quarterbacks and receivers, and Mike Fletcher and Arthur Bruce and all, all those guys and cross uh, them were Bernard Williams yeah, yeah, on the O line and yeah, Jonathan. Jonathan and Big John, what Big John's name? Big, yeah, Big Big Jonathan Brown and uh, yeah. O'Shea was on that team as well. Lots of, ta- were, yeah, lots of talent, lots of talent across the board. Uh, Pee Wee Smith, they were loaded with veterans, yes. and that was the end of that that era of guys. Orlando Ch- Steinauer Ch- was a part Winters, of that team. Steiner, yeah, that was, yeah. Anyway, that's Fletch, a different different totally. situ- different situation then now. But yeah, I, I agree. But it's a tough situation to, to come into, and also, you know what, James, when you're the when you're the GM. You know, you're dealing with contracts, and, and you know your your relationship with players is not always going to be great because you know you're. You're grinding for dollars. You're grinding for contracts. You're going to piss people off. You're going to make people happy. Like, whatever it may be, you have that relation. Now you have to bring that dynamic into the coach's room. You know, it doesn't doesn't really work. But guys, you've also invested in too, right? So you're sure. almost you're, you're, yeah, you're married exactly, to these guys exactly. where it's like, I want this to work. I believe in this guy. Because if he doesn't succeed, it's on it's on your it's on your butt. And if he does succeed, and everyone, everyone will tell you how wonderful you in, are, what a great find he in is. In fairness, so Wally's made it work. Yeah, well, made it work for a long guys, time. There's lots of guys who have made it work, but it, you can't you can't see how it could be, be a problem, basically. Very, very much so. So, in comes Jacques Chapelain. The team is three and nine. They have a bye week to try to work things out, but and I just I, I mean I, I just don't see things you know getting better. I mean, look, maybe Jacques can can. I'm going to assume that Jacques going to be a little more meddlesome. I don't think that's necessarily the right term, but I think he's going to get his hands into the offense a little bit more okay, going so, forward. So that, yeah, exactly. But so there's been the some issues with Jacques Chapdelaine's offenses in the past, though. Sure, he, you know, Jacques, Jacques is a. Here's the here's the thing I have, and this is this is interesting dynamic. And I've I've been on a team with uh, with Jacques with, with Jacques with the BC Lions in 2011 yeah. and, and 10. And Jacques is and a, a lot of people complained in Vancouver about his offense. Definitely, they did. They did. And, and but Jacques is a, is a sharp offensive mind, and and uh, you know his Jacques system is a is a West Coast system. So so what he'll do is I think talking to people around the league, there's are they already see already have seen uh, Jacques' influence on Anthony's offense. They see uh, things that Jacques does in Anthony's offense. So Anthony's already been listening to Jacques and working with him and trying to use some of his concepts. Right? Fine. Now you, I think you'll see a little bit more of that. Like you said, you'll see a little bit more of the Jacques Chapelain touch on this offense because 
now he's the head coach. But Jacques never been. Uh, and this is what's interesting. He's not really a people. He's not really a people person. Uh, I don't say people person, but he's he's not a high motivator. He's not a, a man of many words. Uh, I don't I don't see him you know taking over a locker room. I see I, personally I see him more as a coordinator type of personality. You know that doesn't mean that that can't change uh, his, the dynamic. Uh, you know, in this room may may call for Jacques to to step up and be be more of a be more of a, a vocal type guy or a leader type guy. But I always I've always seen him as as a as a coordinator in, in his communication and that's so this is going to be interesting to see with this group of guys and and uh, how Jacques takes over this this job as the head coach of the Montreal Alouettes. Do you think uh, do you think it's it's conceivable at all that Montreal throws the keys and just throws the bank at Mark Tressman to try to come back? Oh, very interesting. Wow. I just that's, I, I that's just think great. he I never even I, thought about but it. But I just think he I mean I think there's probably just too much money out there on the NFL tables. Yeah, I don't as, think, a, as a coordinator though. I don't think that money, you know what? You know what James Mark is uh, Mark Dressman has been in in coaching for 30 years and and he's got plenty of money. So I don't think there's yeah. a dollar amount that that could that they'd pay that would that would influence Mark Dressman to come here. It's for Mark it's more about, you know, his you know, his ego or what he wants to get accomplished as a as a coach cuz he knows how great he is or how how he feels his system is, and he wants to he wants to have success with that after the lack of success in Chicago, and now he's in Baltimore. I think he wants to show show the world that he can be uh, successful at the highest level, which is the National Football League. And interesting point, but I don't think there's an amount of money that's that makes sense that they could pay Mark Chessman to come back. Yes, at this point in time. Yes or no? Jim Pop will be the general manager of the Montreal Alouettes in 2017. No. You think this is it after the year? That, I think this is the end of the Jim Pop era. And I think that because... I think it's time to turn the page. It is time to turn the page. And I think it also because Jim has done everything that he could do uh, in the CFL. He's, he's he you know, he's looked for NFL jobs in, in the past. He's he's poked around a bit. Uh, you know, he's gotten offers that he's turned down. But he wants to be, a, you know, an assistant GM, uh, director of player personnel somewhere. He's not going to be a scout, obviously. He's going to be either a GM or an assistant GM at the National Football League level. And uh, I think he wants same thing as Mark Tressman. I think he wants to t- take his talents as an evaluator of talent down south and see what he can do. He's done everything he can do here. I think it's time for him to move on. And, and the fact that the fans and the people I, of I Montreal, just wonder, I just wonder where would you, where else do you, I mean, where else would he go in the CFL right now? Based on, on you kind of look across the league. I mean, you know, I mean, Ottawa, I think is going is fine with Marcel Desjardins. You know, Jim Barker, I think is fine in, in Toronto if we go through the league. I mean, Hamilton's a pretty good situation right now. Uh, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. You know, you're not, about, you're not, you're not shaking Winnipeg? it up right now. <laughs> you're, not, you're not blowing yeah, things up in Winnipeg no. right now. They just, they're, Cal- they're talking extensions Cal- now. Wade Cal- Miller is talking extensions I, with uh, Ocean. Yeah, and, all the, and, and good for them because yeah, they we, won we were, seven straight. We, we, were chopping them, we were chopping them down. <laughs> and about th- week three, they're about to get fired. Who was replacing yeah. them? And now we're talking about well, we extensions. We were also ready to give the Grey Cup to Ottawa at the beginning of the four, <laughs> week four. But, you know, B- Wally, I, think Wally's, uh, I think Wally's fine in BC. Uh, Huff, fire and, fire Wally. Huff, yeah, hashtag fire Wally, and then you got what? Uh, I think Ed Hervey, no matter what happens in Edmonton this year, I think you're still in a fine situation. It's, that, I, I think it's know. a change. I think it's, if, yeah. if Jim makes a he move, he might wait a year. He might I sit think a year. Jim makes a move. Yeah, he's got same thing. Jim's got plenty of Jim's got plenty of money. I'm sure, yep. and it's uh, not about that for him. I think it's about a challenge and about uh, doing a something different, start. a fresh start. So, like like you said, either somewhere in the Canadian Football League, or he'll take a shot down south. And I think I just think it's time to move on. Like I was I was saying. The people of Montreal and the fans have kind of turned on Jim now, and and it's it's partly Jim's fault. I, I you know I I'm, I feel I feel for him because of all the great things he's done, 
over the, over the years, I think that that uh, you know you kind of want to leave on a good note because but of all the great times. Sports is a times. what have you done yeah, for me lately, it, it, right? It is, and I I felt it as a player, and and kind of you know you know realize like how how could how could it be? How could I get treated like this after you know the things you've done or, yeah. or what it is? But you realize afterwards, it's just a business, and there's been hundreds and thousands. There's been thousands of guys before you, and there'll be thousands of guys after you who go through the exact same situation. So you just gotta man up and deal with it, and that's what Jim. The people have kind of turned on Jim now, and Jim's kind of the villain in Montreal, and it's it's sad to see because he, he's uh, he cares as much as you got, and as you don't, might not think Jim cares, or he gives out the persona of a cocky guy or whatever he is. Jim has a big, big, big heart, and he really cares what people think, and I think that's been part of the. To be honest, he James, does care, James. That's part of the problem with with why he's why he struggled this year because he he's has a tough time. You know, taking a, he taking, taking the blame he or not it. making excuses of why things are this or why is this and this. If he would have stood up and said, you know what, we're you know whatever we are, three and six or three and seven, whatever time it was, I said it's my fault. I'm the head coach. It's my responsibility. I'm I'm not doing a good enough job. Then maybe people would say, you know what, he's taking it. You know, but instead he he kind of beats around and talks about you know the great cups he's been to and the things he's done and it kind of rubs some people the wrong way. But yeah. I know it's because Jim is the type of guy who. Jim wants to be liked. He wants pe- he cares what people think, and he's got a big heart. So you know, I, I hope that uh, I hope that they, they can somehow end it uh, amicably, and uh, you know, he gets the props and respects he deserves uh, for all the things he's done for yeah. the city of Montreal. Well, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks, and I do wonder what the Owls do with respect to some of the veteran talent. There's some still quality players on on both sides of the football. I just question, you know, with the trade deadline looming, uh, you know, next month. I mean, do they try to recoup a first-round pick from what they had dealt to, to to get Vernon Adams from BC earlier this year? I mean, you're looking at a team that could be in position for the first overall pick and may not have it now. Oh, that, that, would mean, that would hurt. That would hurt huge. So we'll see what happens uh, going forward over the next few weeks, but certainly an interesting time in Montreal. Okay, though, let's dive into week 14 of a Canadian football league. Here we are, week 14. It's late September now. Flask weather here, D. Not that I'm <laughs> encouraging people to sneak flasks into stadiums but you know do what you got to do if you can you know they've got lots of wanding though lots of metal detectors it's tough to kind of get a metal flask in these days okay first up we've got uh, a double header on friday ottawa and toronto first things first can i just say there should be a double header on friday nights every week in the canadian football yes. there should be an early and late game create the consistency especially at times like this in the season where you know college football is starting to become prominent in the u.s you've got nfl sundays which is a destination for a lot of people regardless but, it, but you know what make sure you got I, I understand you want to get all the national games you want to make sure that everybody can see every game but it should there should be every night there every friday night there should be a double header mr mr orange we're talking fly fly me and James Great, out. We're gonna to get talk, fired now. Fly me and James out so we can talk <laughs> for next season, so we can work on the schedule, so we can be a part of the scheduling. Cause I'm as big a football fan as anybody. I watch every single CFL game. If I don't, I tape it. Even if I did watch it, I still sometimes watch it again to break down the film. I love it. I'm also a fan of the other leagues. I watch everything. And uh, I just feel the same as James. I think that what Friday night is our night. Friday night football. That's what it is. That's like it. why we need double headers on that night and skip skip Sunday the Sunday games. There's there's a lot of other stuff going on on Sundays, but skip Friday night double header and then you know however we go from there. The, I miss I like that the old Thursday cheesy jingle that Friday night football. <laughs> 
Yeah. Anyway, we're on the same page with okay. that one. Yes. Okay. Uh, on to the game. Uh, first up, uh, the first half of the doubleheader on the Friday, you've got Toronto in Ottawa. Uh, look, the Argos now 5-7 and seven on the year. Ottawa now limping at 5-5-1. Five, five and one. Uh, Let's start off with the Argos because this is a fascinating situation. As, as we record this, the Argos haven't determined who their starting quarterback is as of yet. Dan Lefevre or Drew Willie? Uh, where do you turn here? I mean, from my standpoint, Davis, I think you have to go with Willie based on, and, and this feels like a really unfair situation for Lefevre, who's been, who's been great, who's been very, very good the last two weeks. But I think you need to find out where you stand with Drew Willie based on what you gave up to get him. You know, Lefevre's played really well, but those two costly picks and that loss in Winnipeg gives you that window now rather than, if Lefevre goes out and has another strong showing, and then things really get tough. But I think right now, while you kind of have a window to sneak him in, this might be the opportunity that I think Toronto needs to find out what they've got in Drew Willie. Uh, it's still early. He's still trying to get familiar with, with the Argos offense. But the fact that they gave up so much to get him, I think this is going to be the opportunity that we finally see Drew Willie in, in double blue here. The one thing that I would say is, you don't want you don't he's going in the, like they said they give up so much they, they get up so much for in the future with the draft picks the first the third yeah um and uh, the problem in tj heath the problem is is that if you throw him in this system is not a simple system the uh, milanovic's system is is difficult and it's uh, intricate and it, it's it's something you don't want to throw someone in there that's been there for a week and a half so the one thing is is and dance if you've been playing great uh, so if you do put him in now you're risking, uh, you know, him having him struggling, and they've already said word out of Winnipeg that he was lacking confidence, that he, he just wasn't, he just wasn't the, the confident gunslinger that he was, you know, previously. So he's obviously lost some confidence. So I don't think that, I don't think you should put him in there now. I think he should make sure he's completely comfortable with the offense. He he's got a good hold of it, and then you put him in there. Do you give this Lefevre then? Do you let Lefevre yeah. then ride it out then? Well, I let Lefevre ride it out until I know that Drew Willie is. I mean, until he stumbles, stumbles. He had four touchdowns last week. He played great, and and like I said, I was saying. So what if the Argos get hot then? What then, if the Argos get hot with the fever? And then then you, and, there's no question what yeah. you do. You stick with the hot hand. And you try, at the end of the day, and you then what do you do in the off season, right? And I you mean, figure, you're trying to win football games. Yes. So you, you you do what you got to do, and, and and you win as many football games as you can. And, uh -huh. and Dan Lefevre is a winner. Like when I watch it, like what does he do well? And I talked to a, a couple of people around the league, offensive minds. I said, what what does Dan do well? Well, they said he's smart. Mm -hmm. um, they said he, he's a competitor and he's athletic. No one said he's got a great arm. No one said it's all the great balls. No Smart one, like, he, and athletic. He's a gamer, though. If you yeah. watch him, like he's he's diving. He's throwing the, when he needs to make a throw. He makes a throw. He's running for first downs. He's a big body, so he's tough to bring down. I I like him. He's a guy that he's a guy that can win you football games. Yeah, he's long and lean. Do I think like he's, he's a top five quarterback in the CFL? No, he's not. Not he's right not, now. He's anyway. not like Trevor Harris. He's not like Bo Levi. He's not like Mike Riley. Mm -hmm. But. Mike Riley, Mike Riley, but he wins football games, so just let That's him it. let him do what he does. I think at this, I think right now he's the best option uh, for two reasons: one, because I think he gives you the best chance to win today, and two, because you don't want to throw Drew Willie in there before he's ready and and take take away his confidence. All right, okay, well there you go. So there's a case for both sides there for the Argos. On the flip side, what has happened to Ottawa? I mean, you kind of touched on it. you. You basically called their defense the GGs. Uh, but this is a team that's so inconsistent right now, and never mind just the defense. Uh, it's almost inconsistency from series to series now with Ottawa, and it, it's remarkable to see that. Look, I, I get that the Stampeders are the gold standard and the measuring stick in 2016 of the Canadian Football League, but the Red Blacks were 3-0-1 to start the year. 
They've now lost five of seven. They, and they should have beat Calgary. They should be 4-0 and Calgary should have lost that they, game. They, they had that game with they, Calgary. Yeah, yeah, and they've so, lost five of their last yeah, seven. Uh, the offense is as inconsistent as the defense. Uh, get this, Ottawa's averaging just less than 26 points per game right now, which is now sixth overall. This was the high-octane, fun-and-gun offense that had dazzled everybody at the start of the year. That's a far cry here as we've gone through the last eight weeks, and this Ottawa team... You know, I don't know what I don't know what to make of it. It's almost like they've taken a huge step back into shades of, dare I say, their expansion year of 2014. No, no, uh, not and not that not that, that bad, but no. you know, there's there's a it's lot of talent, but there's talent. something not yeah, there's something not talent. right here. This team has talent. Though. So what's it. wrong? Uh, to me, it's what me. It's watching. It's it's not the skill position. They have they have great defensive backs. They have great receivers, and they have a great quarterback. To me. It all starts and ends in the in the trenches with the, with your front seven, and I think their front four is, in my opinion, their front four is the weakest front four in the CFL right now. And they got rid of Capacotti. Yeah. Uh, who else did they lose? Sean Lemon. They lost. Yeah, as Sean well. Lemon. How much? How much better would Lemon that, drops? Lemon drops. My man, Lemon. What's up, baby? <laughs> how much would they love to have? Uh, those two guys on that defensive line no are not creating pressure. They cannot with that that defensive line is not getting any pressure. Zach Evans has six sacks. He's and as a, for a tackle, he's getting it done. Uh, a a non-import or a national a national player um, getting six sacks from the tackle spot. He's doing more than his what he's uh, signed up to do. But the rest of the guys, their rush ends are getting nothing. Connor, Connor and uh, uh, Williams, and the, uh, they're not getting they're not getting a rush. They're, I'm watching I'm watching their rush, and they are not getting to the quarterback at all. And that's when you saw that first, the first few drives, they were marching down the field. Calgary was with, with no resistance. And I mean, uh, Mark Nelson's a man-to-man kind of guy. He plays a lot of man coverage. We talked about it before. If you're going to play that coverage, your guys need to get there. You need to be able to rush four or five and get there. And and they're not getting there. So that's, that's what I think is that I think is the their front seven, their front four especially are just not getting it done. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's they spent t- their money on offense. James. Yeah, that's it. Think that's about, it. Think of all the big money guys they have, or from Ernest. Ernest Jackson to Chris yeah. Williams to Trevor Harris to Henry Burris. Well, this, there, here's what happens: there's a pie, and every team. This is the same them. thing that Winnipeg <laughs> was criticized for for going out and signing Ryan Smith and Weston Dressler and those, too, spending all and, and Andrew Harris, those were all bad, skill guys. Those right? were bad. Those were bad signings too. They just got lucky. They're different. They were the, Weston Dressler is. I love Weston Dressler. He's been a great player, but he's no longer getting the separation they used to. He's not a hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar guy anymore. You could get a lot, a lot more for that amount of money at this point in time. And Ryan Smith has not produced either, to be honest. And there's you ask personnel guys around the league that I've spoken to, they'll all say the same thing that you could that that money wasn't very well spent with those guys. But the difference is, they're Kevin Foggs, they're um, Mo Leggett, Bass, they're Mo Leggett, the guys who yeah. are making mi- middle plays. middle type money, who are who are their young guys making making you know league minimum type salaries Look at Kevin are Fogg, balling yeah. are yeah. balling at all star levels. They're not going to be getting paid that for much longer because they're balling. But that's the difference is those young guys are balling out for them. So I think that the piece of the pie that Ottawa dished out um, spent too much on their on their skill positions and not enough. I'm trying to get trying to get guys that are going to rush the passer, uh, you know, and stop the run, those type of things, and, and it's it's showing. Okay, your CFL pick'em uh, selection for this one: Toronto, Ottawa. Which way are you leaning for this one? Where is the game, James? Games in Ottawa. Toronto, Ottawa. 
Uh, Ottawa can't win at home. Yeah, that's I'm, a big issue. Yeah, I, I I will go with Ottawa in a, in a, a bounce, 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 bounce back game. Uh, they, uh, I still think they have the talent. I just think that uh, you know, they ha- they have to scheme up. Do they got to bl- they got to start blitzing? If they can't get there with four, they got to blitz. And uh, I expect them to to bounce back and, and get those playmakers the ball. It's a huge game for both sides here because they're still trying to keep pace with. The Hamilton Ticats for top spot in the East Division. Toronto knows that they're hosting, or at least Toronto's the site of this year's Grey Cup as well. So, you know, can they can they hang in? You know what, I think Ottawa's got enough to get it done. They have struggled at home this year, but I think Ottawa should be able to get a W this week, um, and we'll see where things go. Um, you know, the Argos have come up short. They've lost three of their last four, but, boy, they, they've... You know, they've been right there in most of these games. They lost some hard-fought ones. Let's go to the second leg of the Friday night doubleheader, and it's the 8-3 and three BC Lions taking on the defending Grey Cup champion, Edmonton Eskimos, who look nothing like defending Grey Cup champions. They're 5-7. and seven. Uh, The Lions coming off a bye week here. They just added another nice little weapon in the form of Terrell Sinkfield, the receiver. Hey, who you is, know what they got on their receiving court right now? What's that? Everything and the kitchen sink. <laughs> no, sink. Hey, sink can go. Sink can straight fly. So that's yeah. a that's a big that's a big pickup from a receiving court that's already got three guys that can go over a thousand yards to add Terrell Sinkfield, who was with receivers coach Marcel Belfe in in Hamilton before. That's a that's a big pickup for the BC Lions. Yeah, thousand yards receiver receiving uh, last year in in Hamilton. He was just cut a couple of weeks ago by the Vikings. So, uh, look, this guy can play. And you know the the other thing. So. You've got it. Your passing attack has become that much more dangerous. But the Lions as well. You know what? They've got. You know what? Wally has got the team running the ball really well. In, in addition, they're averaging 110 yards on the ground so far this season. That's tops in the CFL, and that's after letting one of the best running backs in the game walk in Andrew Harris, and a non-import at that. And their running game is still. You know, averaging the most yards on the ground per game. They also they also run it's the nice ball. Nice one-two punch. Yeah, they also run the ball on first down more than any other team in the CFL. Go up to this week, they ran the ball 140 times on first down, and Calgary with Jerome Messam was the second second best uh, to BC with 130 times rushing the ball on first down. So that's a big you know that's a big discrepancy. 140 times rushing the ball on first downs. They're obviously getting. Getting great, great yards on first down, which puts Jonathan Jennings in great situations, second and medium, second and short. With he's that, fun to watch, isn't he? Oh, man, he's that dude. Lots of, lots of man dude. crushes in the CFL this year, but he's Jonathan Jennings, is a, he's a real treat to watch, that's for sure. And, and I mean, what he gets done on the ground, I mean, he leads Speak the league. Speak for yourself with the man crush to see ball. Okay, I just said <laughs> the kid was a baller. I don't know about the man crush. Let me keep that in Tawasa with you. I, I, heard, I, heard, I, heard, I heard baller was like code for man crush. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, yeah, I got man crush too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, what about the Eskimos? I mean, they've lost. Okay, let me run this down for you. The Eskimos have lost every game in September. They've lost three straight. Mike Riley, or should we say, Mike, Mike Riley, Riley, can't do it alone. Uh, and then uh, the other interesting thing, I, I want to go back to this. Um, well, hold on. Let me let me throw this one number. And then I want to go. I want to go back to something that happened on the weekend that you kind of raised your eyebrow, but. Edmonton currently six points back of third in the West. Their best hope for getting into the playoffs right now, if they're going to get into the playoffs at all, is to get, catch that East crossover right wow. now. they got to be looking at Ottawa or, or, or Toronto at this point because they're currently tied with Toronto. They beat the Argos last month by 23, but 
that's the team I think they got to chase because they're both five and seven. Like they're sitting fourth right now in the West. How many? There's six, point, points six points back on Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Who would have thought? You ask us after after three weeks that. Uh, they, and they, Mike Riley's <laughs> been healthy. <laughs> the healthy Mike Riley and, and Winnipeg after twelve weeks, they would be maybe six points ahead of Edmonton. That's crazy. That is that's unbelievable. Uh, it's um, unbelievable. Justin, okay, so Justin Cox. Yes. Yes. During the Saskatchewan Edmonton game last week, that the Riders pulled out the victory in overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically he he was basically a blanket on a Darius Bowman, whether yes. it worked or not, but. You you certainly caught your eye. What was oh, that? Was you know as a DB? Spell it out here for yeah, people that might so, have missed it. Yeah. So basically, what happened? This never in the, in the Canadian Football League. This he was a spy. Yeah. Basically, he followed. They call it traveling. He traveled. He followed um, Darius Bowman and Ronnie Justin Justin Coxton around the field. So. As you know why when you're a wider you can go whatever wherever you want you can go to the sometimes Darius Bowman will be lined out at X receiver which is the short side and at the wide out he'd be the Z which is the widest side on the wide side of the field at the wide out he can be the Y he can be anywhere he wants to go well that that defensive back is not going to be in all those spots he'll only be in his normal spot he lines up in well Chris Jones this week decided that he's going to say and that this this goes to the aggressive nature of Chris Jones he said you know what Justin Cox is my best defender. Darius Bowman is your best receiver. Justin, you're going to follow him wherever he goes. You're going to match up with him. So if he lined up at wideout, Justin went to cornerback. If he lined up at slot, Justin went to halfback. You almost never see that in the CFL. They talked about uh, Brent Grimes doing that a bit last year. I didn't see it. That, I didn't really see it that often. But supposedly he did it a little bit last year. But who used to do it? And here's a blast from the past. Remember Jer- Jerome Bolden? So yeah, Jerome Bolden yeah. from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers totally. was. He was a good player. He was an awesome player, and he actually was just only up here, and he ended up getting in some trouble. He was up here for two or three years, getting some trouble down south, mm-hmm. and then he can't went back to the NFL and had a great career down south after he was here. So yeah. he he used to follow guys around like that. Brandon Brown used to do a little bit too, but you know for Justin for Justin Cox to be doing that, and also Ed Ganey did the same thing with Darrell Walker. So he had two defensive backs for Saskatchewan, following the two best receivers around for Edmonton. Now Bowman, put, Bowman went off though. Bowman had nine catches for 150 yards. James, James, the the Eski scored 23 points. Yeah. So I mean, they can't. He might have had some catches, but uh, Justin. Darrell Walker was held in check. Justin though. Cox he had, just had four a, grabs for 40 yards or something go. like that. Justin so Cox had a, five catches for 44 yards. Yeah. He had a pick. He also stripped the ball on the sideline from Darius Bowman, ran it back for a touchdown. Was that him or Ganey? It might have been Ganey. Anyway, check the video. Check the video. More <laughs> of the story is I think they held up pretty good for the situation. Yeah. Also, just to, just to break that down from an X's nose standpoint a bit for the, for the fans out there, when you do that, the problem is not necessarily – as a fan, you think, why don't we just always do that thing? Why doesn't the best DB just follow the best receiver around? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because if you do that, you now have to know five spots in the defensive backfield for zone coverage because when you're playing zone now – you're playing zone, and every spot in each call has a different responsibility. So you're either a, a curl to flat player, you're a you're a quarters player, you're a low flat player, and it all changes in the CFL. It all changes by the motion. So if a guy I might have as as a halfback, I might have you know a high thirds, and all of a sudden one guy goes in motion from the strong side to the weak side, and now I have now I have the the, the low the low flat. Like it just it changes by motion. So you always got to know by adjust by adjustments what's going on. And to, to have a – when you play zone coverage, if you're going to follow guys around and you play zone coverage, now you have to know every single player in the secondary zone responsibility on every call, which is really tough. So what I'm sure Chris did to make it easier was, okay, you follow around in man coverage, but you can't play man every time because the, 
they pick up on that, they're going to kill you. So what they did was they would play maybe like two zones. They would play cover four or cover three. Instead of having all the zones in the package that week, they probably had like two zones or three zones in there. So Cox and Gang, we just had to learn those two calls to do it. But it was cool as a defensive back yep. or as a receiver. You was, like that challenge? Oh, man. Would you have, would you have loved oh, that love challenge? Love it, love it, love it. It was cool to watch, to watch the watch the matchup. Every, and it's funny because Darius Bowman. Like, go spend a game with Milt or something like that or once, G-Roy yeah, or, or sure, whoever. sure. Once, once he saw that, once Darius Bowman, after about the fifth play of the game, uh, saw that, he's like, wait a minute, this guy's everywhere I go, he's following me. What's going on? He, he saw that. He ran a nice little double move. He stuttered, stuttered, go dig. Nice little move. Darius Bowman's a great route runner. He ran the ball, caught it, and he looked over, and he walked over towards Chris Jones in a bench, and he started yelling something like, you, this guy, you got this guy following me. He cannot, he cannot guard me. You better get him off me, something to that nature. I'm, I'm – I'm, I'm making game, up yeah. what he said, but he basically walked over to Chris Jones and started yelling and pointing at him on the sideline once he realized that Jones had sicked his dog, up. his dog Justin Cox on him. But that was cool to watch and uh, and a good matchup between two ballers. Well, hey, you know what? You held a pretty good Edmonton offense yeah, to 20 points. points. And, uh, that's, hey. that's, Rider Nation, Rider Nation in the building. Who was that handsome man who called that? See ball, let's give see ball, let's give see ball his credit. James <laughs> I'm sure did, some other did people pick, picked as well. Did pick Saskatchewan. Uh, okay, what about this week? Edmonton uh, at home to BC here. Uh, which way are you leaning? I, I I think somehow, some way, I think the Eskies get it done here. I think you know nope. there's a desperation nope. point, and I, I just I don't know. Call me crazy. But I think Edmonton will find a way here this week with BC coming off the bye week. BC's just too well balanced. I, I just feel like mm-hmm. their their quarterback play is 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 so good right now. Jonathan, and so good Jonathan on the road Jenny, too. Jonathan Jennings just gets it done. He finds ways to win. Their run game is tough. Not that I want to justify that. I'm uh, no, you think I'm going to be wrong? No, but I, no. I just, but their yeah, run game is mean. tough. Their defense is this. There's no weaknesses in this football team. No. Like this squad is just they're deep everywhere. Uh, they're they're playing great football. They're confident. They're finding ways to win. If the, you know the defense struggles, the offense plays well, and mm-hmm. vice versa. I mean, their special teams. Chris Rainey might be the most electrifying player in the CFL right now. I'm just I'm not I'm not betting against. I still like the, I'm not betting too, against the BC Lions. I like I like BC to win this game. All right. Okay. Let's go on to Saturday. A double header on Saturday. It's a double shot, and it's got. When we first start with the latest installment of the game of the year. You got Winnipeg, Calgary. Winnipeg, 8-4. Calgary, 10-1-1. and This is like the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. Calgary won the two prior meetings, but that was early in the season and prior different to team. Matty Nichols taking over as a starter. This is exactly your point. A different team. The last team to beat Winnipeg, they've won seven straight. The Stamps unbeaten in 11. They've won nine straight overall. It's truly remarkable. Been trying to dig out. I've uh, been trying to dig up through the CFL stats, and uh, we're still looking into it at this point in time. And I'll, you know what? I'll throw it out on Twitter if uh, we get definitive word later in the week. But trying to figure out when the last time two teams that were on a roll like this mm, went yeah. head-to-head. But I, I tried to reach out uh, earlier this week to see if there was any sort of intel on it. And, and they're digging. They're, go- they're going back, I mean, as far back to 1961 where, you know, you had t- you know the league was smaller in those days. But to kind of see where – where things are at right now, to have a team playing on such a role, both teams for that matter, it's remarkable. You've got the two best defenses going head-to-head, Calgary, Winnipeg. I mean, you got two just good old-fashioned stingy misers here, a couple of Scrooges on D, so to speak. But this is uh, this is going to be a fun one, D. 
Yeah, I'm excited. This is, uh, you know what, to be fair, we've only, we've only called one game of the year so far, and that was the BC Calc game, which was a huge letdown and a for flop. us. Yeah. But the, but that's, as balanced but, as BC yeah, was, we don't just, we don't just, throw that, we don't just throw that out there no, no, no. for nothing. Like this, this is it's only this the second is, time. Yeah, this is legit the game of the year so far. Is it far. too legit? Mm-mm-mm. All right, I'm not. I'm not gonna throw it up. Don't get me going. Come on, James. You know, you know. You always try to get Shout me going. Shout out to 1992. Try to get me going. Go have a go have a go. Have a. Okay, yeah. No, for real though. Uh, no, for real. This is. I mean, yeah. Winnipeg. Go, Winnipeg's going to to Calgary mm-hmm. in this matchup, and and uh, at the end of the day, the the one the one factor I thought you said you got the number one defense, number two defense yeah. going against each other. The big thing that's that's allowed Winnipeg to have this huge success in the last in their run here. Is the turnovers? They they're they're up. Their turnover ratio the is huge. Yes, yeah. I mean they're they're killing it. League they, high they, twenty two picks. Yeah, okay, twenty two picks, and I think they're plus sixteen or plus eighteen in the plus minus, which is uh, now if they can do that going into Calgary, if they can get ahead in the turnover battle, you know, plus two, maybe then they I think they have a chance to to pull up pull out the upset but i think they're the underdogs in this game obviously yeah uh, you, it's you, in calgary it's I mean. in calgary and, and you're not really going to go against against Bo. this defense is great there's no question the secondary is great and westerman and the boys up front are getting there the question is the question is is can they do that to the to the vet Bo levi mitchell did you watch him the, last week when oh. he he got a he they talked about it on the broadcast and uh, and it's funny because i was thinking it when i was watching it and then and then uh, suits and chris cusper were talking about it but uh i believe or maybe it was 40 and and uh and um mr black but uh point point of the story is is they why they got a delay of game call mm-hmm. and uh Bo did and most quarterbacks you see them be flustered they get a delay again like yeah. oh they're raising their hands and they're walking off they look bothered Bo looked like he was about to yawn and, uh, you know, go crack a beer or go stretch or something. He was like, ah, whatever, play a game. All right, give me the call, Dave. Like, he did not even look phased by the nope. – the, like, he took the penalty. That's on you. Delay a game is on you, quarterback. Like, he did not even flinch. He, look, he looked like it didn't even happen. He looked at Dave, got the call. and He, he ate sec- it, and basically I'll get those yards back. And he did. It was second and, like, 18 or something, and he threw a dime across the middle – and it was a touchdown. The ne- yeah. very next play, like he's just so cold, and and he's he's so uh, comfortable in the offense. And he man. relishes these challenges, oh, don't man. you think? Like yeah. this so is a game, game that like he this gets where up. people, if he hears us, that Bo, you should listen. This is the game of the year. So what are you gonna do? Because <laughs> when he hears things like when he feels these type of challenges, yeah. He well, look at he, look what he did. Well, look what he did. Look BC. what he did with with BC, right? Yeah, and going into BC and just shredded them. And and you know, it was the same example. I think the week that he kind of called out the riders for their infractions, and then he goes into Regina and just basically says, basically the equivalent of flipping everybody the bird by just absolutely dominating the riders. So, yeah, I mean that that's the. I just don't know if if Winnipeg has enough offensively to keep up to Bowen this company. is no this and, is and no that's knock a, like, on, this gotta, is no knock on what Winnipeg is no, doing this is Winnipeg is Winnipeg is that deal right now that Winnipeg is 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 playing at a really high level and uh, they're being coached at a high level their best teams at a high level they're, they're all three phases at a real high level and Matt Nichols is getting it done but that being said, we're talking about we're talking about Calgary in Calgary. If this is Winnipeg, maybe we'd have a, a different opinion. Possibly, I look forward to some of those BC and uh, Winnipeg matchups too. Yeah, I mean, talking about battling yeah. for second and yes. third, uh, that, yes. and that's going to be huge because that'll be that'll dictate home field yeah. uh, going forward in, in the West. But at the, at this point in time, so um, yeah, it's hey, tell me this: the one thing that I find interesting about Winnipeg, they give up the most passing yards per game they give up almost 340 passing yards per game winnipeg all right but they have the most interceptions with 22. 
It's is that like a is that what you, how you would describe a bend but don't break sort of passing attack passing attack or or, or, or pass defense? That's I mean, because I mean you played I mean you yeah. played a lot of secondaries. I mean that's one way to rationalize look at it. it. Yeah, you know what the way I would rationalize that is that that's either it's either that's what they're doing they're letting teams uh, you know they're, they're they're getting depth they're getting depth in their coverage letting teams throw the ball in front of them and they're being taught look whatever you do don't let anything go over our heads. And we'll rally and tackle everything, and we'll break on the football. And eventually, of those eight or nine or ten play drives, one of those you throw, we're going to jump and pick it. That's that's one way to rationalize it. Or the other, James, I think is is that they're getting ahead in football games because um, they're kicking people's butt in the last in the, on their last seven games here. They're whooping people, and they're getting ahead, so they're now being able to back up and say, okay, we're just not going to give you big chunks we're going to make you make you move the ball methodically down the field to try to catch up and, and gain some of this ground it's going to take time so one of those two things i think probably a little bit of both okay cfl pick them uh all right game of the year uh, uh calgary we both like calgary calgary's at home i have to go with calgary. this is the you know what winnipeg i've gone with you every week since you've won don't do it don't go away then don't do it james don't do it roll with you roll with it all right you know what why you not go on i'll call peg? an audible okay i'll take the peg i'll like take it. the peg for like argument's it. sake you know what maddie nichols Keep the streak alive. Keep the streak alive. Do it. I'll take the bomb squad one more time. There you go. I'm going to call an audible, and I'll take it. I just want to say this. Stamps fans, um, Calgary, help me understand this, but Calgary is averaging less than 2,500 fans this year. Hopefully 1,000. 2,500. So 2,500 fans less than last year. Uh, They're still getting almost 28,000 per game, which is a very good crowd, but come on. Time to step it up. Show up this weekend. It's a biggie. So, Calgary fans, a little challenge out to you guys. Uh, you know what? You guys rep well. There should be no excuse to get that number over 30 this weekend. Uh, and by the way, um, with respect to CFL DraftKings, mm. I know you like to play a little yes, action on yes, the action. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you got the two in. best defenses here. Are, are, is Would you look at a matchup like this as maybe taking a Calgary or Winnipeg defense? I take Winnipeg defense. For DraftKings? I take Winnipeg's defense because they keep they keep creating turnovers for me. Yeah. I'll take, yeah you you need, to take the in point. order to win, DraftKings, you want to win. Even that against week, Calgary? Yes, because okay. they, they still they still get, it doesn't matter who they're going against. Calgary might get theirs, but they'll still get their turnovers. And if you want to win these weekly prizes, which yep. some, there's some nice prizes, your defense has to get turnovers. So, okay. I my DraftKings this week. I will. I'm going to take Winnipeg's defense. I have to think about my couple of my offensive All options right, right now. Uh, the running games have been so nasty with every last couple of weeks here. I gotta, I gotta think my running back situation over. But uh, yeah, I'll take Winnipeg's defense. This You're week. taking Winnipeg's defense. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, let, brings us to our final tilt, and that's the uh, second leg of the doubleheader on Saturday, and that's the Rough Riders two and ten taking on Hamilton. Um, hey, Riders fans, feeling good after that week, that win last week. I think it was a nice win. I think Chris Jones wanted that one. Uh, he needed that one as well. Um, here's an interesting thing. Earlier this week, Hamilton and Sasky made a deal. Um, Hamilton landed Canadian safety Shane Bear, and they needed they need some help in their secondary. But they uh, they trade him for the rights to quarterback B.J. Daniels. Now he was drafted by San Fran back in 2013. Uh, he was just cut by the Bears a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he won a Super Bowl with Seattle. Uh, he's kicked around, though, in the he NFL also in the, the last in the tex- few years. with the Texans, too. Yeah, that's yep. right. So he's, he's played for four different NFL teams, or he's been signed by four NFL teams. And uh, he's athletic. He's also spent some time as a receiver. That's kind of the book on him. But uh, a tremendous talent at the University of South Florida. 52 passing touchdowns, another 25 on the ground. Uh, threw for 8,400 yards. Rushed for over 2,000. But... To me, what I kind of read between the lines here on this, Davis, 
is this is the second trade the Riders have made this season for a quarterback. They went out and they got Mitchell Gale for Sean Lemon at the beginning of the season, and now they go out and they get the negotiating rights. There's no, no guarantee that he's going to ultimately sign, but... He's a free agent right now, though. Mm. He's a free agent right now. He's not in the NFL. No, he's been, he's, he's been released. He's been cut. Yeah. So, you know, maybe he's hopeful to still try to catch on yep. south of the border. But, yep. you know, I think, uh, you know, they've obviously traded back for him. They, they had his rights once before, and they traded them away. But what does this speak to? This is clearly Saskatchewan with an eye on the future, looking ahead and wondering if, are they ready to turn the page now on Darian Durant? Or can you see Darian Durant maybe coming back for a year because – Mitchell Gale, from what I've seen from the sample size, looks like he can play in the CFL. I don't know if he's necessarily a top-flight quarterback, but he has shown that in the sample size, it looks like he can play. Looks like he can be a CFL uh, a CFL quarterback. But now you're looking at B.J. Daniels. Like, this is the second move they've made where right. it's kind of like, all right, right, there's you know, he's unsigned. You know, there's, there's a lot to kind of figure out. Yeah. I don't know if you want to open up a brand new stadium with a guy, you know, with a, a brand new quarterback. I mean, you want to try to sell hope when you're going into a brand new stadium with new mosaic next year. But guess who's a free agent at the end of the season? And my little birdie told me that the Saskatchewan Roughriders had their eye on him, James Franklin in Edmonton. Uh, I think that's where the direction they're going to go. A little, little birdie, little birdies tell me that that's the that's the that's where their eyes are right now. For some reason, and I and I, I can't tell you why because he's uh you know Chris Darian, Jones would be familiar with that too. Oh yeah, that for sh- for sure. But I can't tell you why Darian Durant seems to have fallen out of favor in Saskatchewan. I don't know why. It just seems like you say the the moves are all all starting to show that it looks like it might be coming to end. He is 34 years old. Um, you know what, Darian Durant, uh, 2009. I think he's 32. Just to is to he clarify. 32? Yeah, but he's okay. he's into his 30. He's well into his 30s though. Okay. Now. Um, He's from 2009 to 2013. He played all 18 games. Yeah. Like, and that was his 2009 was his first year as a starter. Yeah. 2009 to 2013. That's five years at the way he plays. He, he runs the football. He's I mean he's a he's a warrior. He played yeah. all 18 games and then he played 10 in 2014 and then obviously 2015 last season he only played one game because of the Achilles injury yeah. and that's a freak injury. That's not a that's not a guy that's not durable. That's just an unlucky unlucky situation yeah it happens and then he's he's missed two or three games so far this year so i think you know they think that at 32 or 34 years old however old he is they're thinking that that it's time that he might be injury prone or he's you know starting to come towards the end and i don't know if i see that yet from him but it looks like that's the direction they're trying to go um one guy told me i called i called to to talk about darian a little bit to you know find out what's going on or what's the thought process yeah uh, a guy that played with Darian and, and uh, currently there and told told me that Darian Durant is the the, the biggest warrior um, that he's ever played with and the best leader that he's ever been around. This guy's played in the, the CFL uh, almost 10 years, and he said that it's the best he's the best leader he's ever been around. And to me, that's that's saying uh, that's saying some things. And and so the, and, that, and he said, you know what? He said, I said, why? Why? I said, what makes Darian a great leader? He, yeah. said, he said that. I said, what makes him a great leader? What is it that he does that's different than the other guys? Because I, I know this guy's played with some other pretty good, pretty good players and quarterbacks yeah. as well. I said, what is it that, that he does? And he said, he's you know he's standing up for the guys. You know he's one of the guys. So not only is he a hard worker, responsible, a dude that gets it done, you know, on the field and also in the meeting room, mm-hmm. but he he said he's not a company guy. 
he's the, the players know that he's riding with them and he's a guy that's going to go to war with them and go to bat go to bat for them and so the guys respect that you know and and when he said those type of things it made me feel like I know the guys in the room want Darian Durant to be there and be their guy yeah but for some reason I think the upper the upper management and the, and the coaching staff is he's not kind of their fall, guy I think he's caught he's fallen out of favor so I think yeah. they're going to go in a different and, direction and but someone maybe there maybe that's a case of management recognizing just saying that He's not our guy. We inherited him. And somebody's going to get a darn good quarterback if they if they let him go. Someone's going to get a darn good quarterback. Can he still start going forward? Yes, sir. Would he, will will he be a starter so. in yes. 2017? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, look with I the think, with the Riders. Uh, with the Riders, I say no because he's a free agent. Darian's a free agent after this year, and so is Jane Franklin. So you can't you can't pay them both. Darian Durant go to Montreal. That's a, that's a strong possibility. You, and then you could groom Vernon Adams, and maybe, or, or no. there also is rumor that there was some talks of that conversation as well with with Darian and Toronto and Darian in Montreal. So there's been talks about Darian and, and and going somewhere else. And I think the biggest place that, that I could see him going would be Montreal. I mean, when you look at you know guys, I mean, you've got the reigning MOP was a 40 year old, you know, was was Henry Burris. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ricky Ray. I mean, he's starting to have some some issues, getting banged up here late, but. You know, there's a lot of veteran quarterbacks that are, you know, Kevin Glenn, you know, Ricky Ray. I mean, you know, Darian Durant's a lot younger than those guys, and so there could be still a lot of football left in him. I think he's got some football left. Do you see him running around yeah. last game? He's got some football left. He can left still play. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Uh, okay, so this game also, you know what, this will also have a little bit of symbolism, I think, uh, as this will be the uh, the last uh, game. Uh, Ken Austin making his final appearance um, at Mosaic Stadium, and uh, he led the Riders to the Grey Cup uh, as both a player and coach in '89 and 2007. Obviously, he's, you know he's loved in Regina from his time there. Uh, so I, I do wonder if they'll you know give a little tip of the cap from at some point in time. Um, but you know I look at this situation here going uh, Hamilton. I think Hamilton's going. Hamilton needs this game. And the Riders are essentially in spoiler mode right now, but I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the road team to find a way to get it done. It's it hasn't been pretty. Hamilton's got their issues, but I think Hamilton's got enough in them. Just the way that the amount of points that the Riders are conceding, I think that spells recipe for disaster for them at home against the Tabbies, where uh, that's a that's a pretty high octane offense going forward this weekend and uh no terrell singfield no he's now a bc lion but you know what zach calero still has a lot of weapons i like hamilton to get it done here uh in regina this weekend yeah the big the big problem that i that i see with hamilton is is their their uh, offensive in the red in the red zone they're not they're not putting touchdowns and not putting sevens on the board and that in the cfl yeah uh, you know they're driving the numbers their numbers look at the numbers their numbers are there it was in the, ugly in the middle Montreal. to middle to bottom of the pack in in, in red zone efficiency and touchdowns, yet their 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 offensive output is at the top of the league. So it's it's they're putting up numbers, but they're not punching it in. And if you look at you know they they have Luke Tasker, Andy Fantuz, those two guys find the end zone. They yep. they've been Andy Fantuz has been finding the end zone. Oh, his he whole made some career. nice grabs there the other night too. I mean with Tolliver now too. I mean they should be and Zach is slanging it. They now, should be in scoring fairness, touchdowns. Fairness, yes. has only been around for the last six weeks or so. Yeah. I mean he missed yeah. the, you know that, that, first was, half skewed, of that the was skewed that was skewed the numbers for sure. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, that was yeah. skewed the numbers. But that being said, they still need to they still need to get into the but end zone. But they struggled with scoring with Zach Caleros right. last weekend right. against Montreal. Right. So, so I think that's the big problem. Their offense is, is is fine with moving the football, but they need to get into the end zone because if you exchange threes for sevens, you're gonna come up on the losing end no matter what kind of huge numbers you put up. Yeah. Uh tip of the cap uh, just 
quickly from this past weekend, the latest class of uh, Hall of Fame class in 2016 for the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Doug Brown, congratulations. Mookie Mitchell, James West, and Rod Rodney Harding, congratulations to those individuals. Uh, Mookie, Mookie still looks like he could play. You yes. forget how big Doug Brown was too. Oh, huge! Him. He was he was dominant. He was uh, two of those. You know, Doug Brown I played against obviously for yeah. a long time, and Mookie I actually played, thankfully played he didn't with, line up against. Played right? with for a year. No, he was he was dominant and a, and a stud, uh, definitely a stud. Did and, you cover? Uh, did you cover Mookie at all? Yeah, Mookie mostly played in, inside, inside in the, in the yeah. slot. But I played with him for a year, and I, obviously I played against him. But uh, you guys won yeah, a great he, cup together, right? Yeah, we did in 2005 in Edmonton. We won a great cup together. He, you know, super super great teammate, super humble humble dude. Uh, as you can see, and if anyone saw the broadcast and him talking, he's just a great. He was a great teammate and a great vet, and uh, you know, someone that the young guys could definitely watch and learn from. And, and uh, congratulations to Rodney Harding and. Uh, and James Wild Wild West. Hey, I also want to uh, a quick tip of the cap to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, because they made they made a last wish come true. I don't know if you heard this story, but uh, Ken Morrison, uh, who was a longtime Riders fan, he recently passed away of cancer way too soon. Uh, but the 62-year-old's dying wish was to have his ashes spread across Mosaic Field. So family and friends had reached out. They brought the ashes there, and the team worked it out that last weekend the ashes were spread in the end zone. So... Ken Morrison, uh, nice, he gets nice. to be the place he wanted to be. Nice. Uh, so, again, this is the final year of the historic stadium with the team moving into new Mosaic Stadium in 2017. So a tip of the cap to the Rough yeah, Riders. Nice for, touch uh, by the Riders organization. Nice, doing that for, uh, Ken, for Ken Morrison and his, and his family. That's well, well done well uh, to done. the Riders organization. He is Davis Sanchez. You can find him on Twitter at Davis Sanchez or on Instagram at CUDA33. He's also a friend of uh, uh, Facebook now. So you go friend him at Davis Sanchez. You can find him at Davis Sanchez. Uh, and don't forget to join us. On Tuesdays for Facebook Live, Davis and I taking your questions. Uh, you can find us on the CFL page on Tuesdays. Uh, that's a regular thing with Davis and I now. My name is James Sabalski. A final reminder: don't forget to play CFL Pick'em. It's free to play. You make your picks head to head with Davis and I. You can join our group, the Waggle, and show how much you know and how little we do. And you can win thirty grand for playing. And it's free. Davis likes free. I like free. And I know you like free too. That is the latest edition of The Waggle. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. And you can always find us on SoundCloud and on CFL.ca. He's Davis. I'm James. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again next week. See ya.